Howdy, Green Rush Nation producer Shea Gunther here with a quick programming note. We do not have a regular episode of the Green Rush running this week, but instead are running a recent episode of my podcast, Marijuana Today, which actually features two folks from KCSA, longtime host Chris Crane and recently added regular Sarita Wright. In this episode of Marijuana Today, Chris and Sarita are joined by fellow regulars Andrea Brooks of Sava and Max Simon of Greenflower Media to talk Talk about the massive merger between MSO giants Cresco and Columbia Care and the recent vote in the U.S. House to deschedule cannabis. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to episode 401 of Marijuana Today. It's March 25th, 2022, and I'm this week's host, Chris Crane. This week, we'll be looking at a mega merger in the cannabis space, as it was announced this week that MSO giants Cresco and Columbia Care will officially be joining forces. And then we'll discuss the upcoming vote in the House of Representatives to deschedule cannabis and whether this bill has any chance of becoming law. Spoiler alert. It doesn't. Well, we'll be discussing all of this and more as we get serious about marijuana business and politics. But of course, I couldn't do it alone. So today I'm joined by three of the smartest people in the industry and the movement. So joining me today is a regular guest of the show. She's the CEO of cannabis e-commerce company Sava. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back Andrea Brooks. Hi, Andrea. How are you doing? I'm great. Happy to be here. Awesome. Thanks for having me back. Excellent. Next up, I want to say hello to a colleague of mine. She's a writer, media creator, and senior account executive for KCSA Strategic Communications. Welcome to the show, Sarita Wright. Thank you for having me back, Chris. I'm excited to be here. Always good to uh, always good to pod with you, Sarita. Um, and finally, uh, joining us is the founder and CEO of Greenflower, a leading cannabis education platform, uh, somebody I've had the pleasure of knowing for many years in the cannabis space, but my first time podcasting together. So welcome, Max Simon. Really happy to be here. Excellent. All right. Well, let's jump right into it. In segment one, uh, this week, it was formally announced that MSO giants Cresco and Columbia Care will be merging with Cresco acquiring Columbia Care in an all stock deal valued at two billion dollars with a B. So it appears that the era of the cannabis mega merger is finally in full swing. Come this coming on the heels of TrueLeave acquiring Harvest last October for two point one billion dollars. This merger will expand Cresco's operations from 10 states to 17 when they roll in all of Columbia Care's assets, firmly cementing the company as one of the largest cannabis companies in the United States. So, Max, we're going to start with you. You know, Cresco is already considered one of the, quote, big four cannabis companies, along with Cureleaf, GTI, and Trulieve, who I mentioned in the opening pulled off their own multi-billion dollar acquisition just a few months back. So, Max, is this what we should expect moving forward? a cannabis industry dominated by a small number of mega companies, even if it comes at the expense of smaller players? Like, do you think this is a good, bad, or indifferent thing when it comes to the future of the industry? Well, first and foremost, I think it's, you know, must be said that most of us are strongly in favor of making sure, you know, craft farmers, craft producers, craft products are represented in this industry in every way, shape, or form. 
And, you know, certainly the more mega mergers and the more conglomerates form, the more in jeopardy that puts things for sure. And, and I think everybody feels, you know, the pressure of that outside of this merger. Everybody feels the pressure of small businesses in this space trying to find their footing. Um, but certainly, you know, these kind of things send shockwaves throughout the industry. I think, yes, we will continue to see them because, um, you know, there's a lot of money in cannabis. And so money will attract money and, and money will create money. Um, and I think that just means inherently it's going to continue to to happen. Um, I really love Cresco's leadership. I, I, I'm a fan of Cresco's leadership and a lot of the people there. We we engage with them at Greenflower a lot. So um, I'm hopeful that they have the right people kind of trying to steer their ship and to do the best and to do what they can. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's good. this will definitely continue though. And it's good and bad for the industry. It's good and bad for the industry. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. I mean, I think it, it, look, it largely depends on how it plays out. I mean, you're right. I, I worry about how this is going to impact the smaller players, right? The more giant corporations there are, the harder it's going to be for, you know, the little guys to break through. Um, so I think that's, you know, I think that's a concern. But I think we also have to recognize here that, this was always the way this is going to go, right? I mean, we've got a lot of big companies, but not a lot of massive companies. And if you look at basically every industry in the United States, there are a small number of gigantic corporations that control a huge chunk of the market. I don't, and I think we'd be naive to think that cannabis is ultimately going to be any different, you know, whether, whether that's our ideal situation or not. Um, but, uh, uh Andrea, uh, I'm curious, what do you think about the amount of money being paid, or I guess in this case, stock, right, being paid for a company like Columbia Care, uh, right? None of these companies have produced a billion dollars of revenue in a year, yet this values the combined entity at around $5 billion. So like, do you think investors should be wary that these mega, mer mega mergers may produce a mega bubble? Um, I think so. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, amongst all the debate that I've heard and chatter, and I do, you know, like Max said, this is both a good and bad thing. Um, diversity is healthy. And also, we are going in the direction where I do think there's going to be a few giant players. And hopefully, the right leadership will know that keeping small businesses in the mix leads to a healthier industry and space overall. I, I think a lot of people in California were very surprised about these valuations because um, in general, the trend that I've been seeing here and from you know colleagues is uh, that people are pushing down on valuations and it's get it, it's been like a lot of pressure downwards and downwards um, based on all, again, and I'm focused mostly on knowing this from California operators, but mostly just due to, you know, course corrections, growing pains, et cetera, in the industry. So I think some of these valuations are pretty shocking. And without looking at their numbers, I don't fully understand where they come from. But I would say a lot of the trend that happened in California was that people went for really high valuations and then, you know, which in some ways is exciting, but then you can suffer for it um, because the pressure's on. 
And we are in an industry that is still forming itself. It's not, this is not something that's been around and there's incredible fluctuation and incredible change. Now, with this big of a player that can have a lot of control, maybe there's a different level of comfort having this valuation. Um, I'd love to know what other people think about that. Yeah, but I was surprised. I was very surprised. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thought. I mean, I, I, it's really hard to compare California companies to these MSOs that are getting their valuations based on, you know, limited license markets in the East Coast, Eastern part of the country, um, where, it's, you know, the, the markets don't have the same kind of constraints that you have in California, um, right, with with so many players, high tax rates, um, a, a, you know, long standing, thriving, traditional or illicit market, um, right? Those dynamics just aren't really at play in most of these other places. So I think the, I think the, 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 the valuation compression you're seeing in California, you also see in places like Michigan, Oregon, uh, Washington, right? Places with unlimited licenses. Um, you're not seeing that in places like Illinois and New York and New Jersey and um, even these medical states like like Maryland or Pennsylvania or Ohio or Missouri, um, right, where the licenses are, are capped and limited. And that's where these companies you know, mostly play. I mean, I know Columbia Care is in California. Right? Cresco has some operations out there, but I don't think their valuations are largely being based on California. I don't know. I mean, Max, you seem to you seem to be uh, nodding and shaking your head on this. I'm curious, curious if you want to want to chime in on this uh, on this question. Well, so, you know, we operate, Green Flower as an education company operates in a lot of different states. So it's kind of funny. It's like we're like an MSO, but of education. And you realize in that process that that each state and each place in the country is literally like its own planet. Yeah. And so I do think that California has been in such a brutal place on every front, quite frankly. The, the landscape has been terrible. The regulatory landscape has been terrible. The transition from you know, 215 to this system now has been terrible. I mean, so much has been terrible and it impacts everybody throughout California. But the moment you step outside of California, it, it's like a, it's a different environment. And so these companies, you know, the MSOs are talking to different investor bases and, and they're telling different stories and those stories are based in, you know, more trust in the, the founders and the teams behind them than they are in market dynamics. And so it's just, you know, it highlights just how crazy the cannabis industry is that everything Andrea and California is happening is very, very true, but it's like a different planet. They're playing in a different game than where the MSOs are playing. And they're just, it's just a different game they're playing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's exactly right. Um, and that's right. Well, Sarita, let's 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 have you jump in here. You know, at, at a time when states like New York and New Jersey, Illinois as well, right, are making major efforts to ensure that licenses go to social equity and small business owners, particularly for people from communities most impacted by the war on drugs, do deals like like this that create cannabis company behemoths make it impossible for these new small businesses to compete in markets like New York, which, you know, to date have really been dominated by MSOs like Cresco and Columbia Care. They're, they're both there. Yeah, that it's a great question uh, to what Andrea and Max both said. You, you know, you expect this, but the other thing that I think that was mentioned that's important is the leadership. Um, we don't want to have big monopolies taking over the cannabis market. Uh, and I think one thing that I'm reminded of is a paper that Shailene Title wrote about uh, bigger is not always better. And mm -hmm. with that, you know, there should there should definitely be some oversight into 
how these companies are operating. I think that's going to be very important because to what Max said also, every state is its own little planet. Um, I don't have any uh, knowledge of Cresto's leadership, but I do think that leadership is very important. And I have worked with Columbia Care on some social impact initiatives. So my hope is that that work does continue and that as these mergers continue to come, because we do know that they're going to continue to come, right? Um, that the leadership is intentional about ensuring that social impact is at the forefront. It has to be a priority, especially because we don't have anything federally uh, weighing in on this at this time. So, you know, as these uh, mergers and these acquisitions continue to happen, leadership, intentional leadership, I think is going to be extremely important because people are watching. Um, I am hopeful because this is also the opportunity to provide more resources, right? You know, that's also a big point of this. So how are these resources that we now have access to, how are they going to be utilized from the top down to the bottom? I think all of that is going to be key. And I think that what is happening here with Cresco and Columbia Care, everyone is going to be watching. Uh, just, you know, like everyone was watching Tilray, what are you going to be doing now? So I think it's too early to call, but leadership is going to be very important. And activist um, advocates are not going to go away quietly. In fact, they're probably going to start speaking out more about this. So definitely going to be interesting to watch more of this unfold and where what role the government is going to play in this as well as having some sort of oversight with these companies and how they operate. Well, and even that, right? I mean, that's all that's all state to state, right? I mean, the federal government's not going to chime in on any of this. And so, you know, some states are going to have something to say about how these companies operate and other states less so. And, you know, as we legalize in more and more states, I mean, right now we see a lot of concern around, you know, social equity and restorative justice in most of the states where it's been recently legalized, right? Places like Illinois, New York, uh, Massachusetts, New Jersey, the next wave of states are going to be places like Ohio, Missouri, Arkansas, Republican states, right? All states with Republican leadership who tend not to care as much about social equity. You tend to be fairly favorable towards big business. And I got to say, like, I'm pretty pessimistic that you're going to see any of these the next wave of legalization states uh, you know, uh, cracking down on, you know, this type of sort of, you know, corporate behemoths keeping out the small players and disadvantaging the social equity folks, right? Places like New York and, and New Jersey may get it right. I mean, nobody really has yet, despite their best efforts. But there's been a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of best efforts. I don't think that's going to be the case in a lot of the states going forward, unless the feds step in and mandate it. And, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit more in segment two. But right now, there's no, you know, there's no indication that that's coming anytime soon. Um well, along those lines, I mean, that, that leads, this leads nicely into my next question. Uh, you know, this deal is not without its challenges, um, right? And we're talking about what states are going to do about these things. There are, some, there are some issues that these companies are going to have to face in some states in particular, uh, right? In particular, because of state-mandated license caps, uh, this new entity, let's, let's call it Crest Columbia Care, uh, they're going to have to divest assets in places like New York, Florida, and Illinois, where the two com combined companies are now going to have more licenses than are allowed by law. Um, you know, we've seen these types of forced divestment issues cause, uh, or forced divestments, I should say, cause issues with large deals in the past. Um, big one that jumps to mind is Ascend and MedMen, right? Ascend was supposed to purchase MedMen's assets. That whole thing wound up in court, still in court, I believe. Um, so Max, like, how challenging do you think it's going to be from a nuts and bolts level here for 
Crest Columbia care to actually complete this deal? And, you know, what kind of timeline can you expect uh, for, for closing given, you know, given these challenges? I mean, I think, again, it comes a lot back to, to we're asking a few different questions here. You know, we're asking how likely is it this deal is going to get done? We're asking how complicated is it for and, and what decisions are the teams going to make? And, you know, and then we're kind of talking about the overall repercussions. Um, do I think the deal is going to get done? I, I do from knowing Cresco's leadership well enough to say that they you know tend to be good at working through issues and challenges i mean nobody in the space is perfect we all have things we've run into but um, i fundamentally believe cresco's leadership will be able to get the deal done um, are they going to have to make some tough decisions about you know what they do here and there absolutely i you know the cannabis industry as we all know is one of the most complicated industries at any level it doesn't matter how small or big you're going so you know, makes my head explode a little bit thinking about how many of those decisions they're trying to make across these two different companies that operate in these two different ways. It seems like a really, really difficult undertaking. Um, and, um, you know, when do I think this will get done? I mean, I think both, again, both from what I know about both sets of leadership on those company side, their, their leadership teams and their boards, and even a lot of their executive levels are pretty bought on board to this. And so I think that tends to make these things happen, you know, a little more smoothly. And, you know, while I'm not a fan of, um, well, I should say, while I'm most a fan of, of craft um, cannabis, which is which is comes from craft producers, which is curated from craft manufacturers, which is you know sold through craft retailers and distributors. You know that level of quality is what I'm in favor of, and I don't think that either you know this mega merger trend is taking us in that direction. Um, I do think of all the ones that are happening. Again, I'll just say it again. I, I believe Cresco's leadership is the strongest of this group to lead this in the right direction. Well, I, I, I will, uh, I mean, I'll echo that on Cresco's leadership. I, I know those guys fairly well. I know Charlie, super strong leadership. Um, not going to say anything about Columbia Cares leadership, at least at the C-suite level. Um, I guess, you know, the saying, if you're, uh, if you're prohibited from saying anything disparaging about someone, don't say anything at all. Um, so I'm going to leave it at that. Um, but, uh, but I do think, you know, this is, this is a Cresco deal and they're going to be leading the charge going forward. And they're very smart and adept at dealing with this kind of stuff. Um, but I think these are going to be real challenges, right? New York was a massive headache, uh, for MedMen. I know when, when MedMen and Pharmacan at one point had a, had a, uh, a merger agreement in place, that was a huge sticking point because they were both New York operators and getting the New York regulators to approve a sale or transfer of one of those licenses was a huge headache. It took a long time and it was one of the things that uh, that 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 ultimately led to that deal falling apart. Um, so th th these are going to be some real challenges here. In Illinois, I think, is easier. Right, Illinois, it's a matter of selling off a grow in a couple of dispensaries. There's a lot of buyers for Illinois licenses right now. I don't think that's going to be that difficult. And the regulators are pretty good at approving these things. Right, We saw it when Cureleaf bought uh, grassroots uh, here in Illinois. Uh, right, They had to sell off some assets because that would have put them over the cap, and that was not an issue with the state. I think New York and Florida are more challenging, um, in particular because you've got you know you've got some pretty big incumbents there who don't want to give any kind of advantage to their competitors, um, who also have especially in Florida, um, right? I mean, Trulieve is the 800-pound gorilla down there, and they have a lot of political sway in that state. And you know, I would expect that they're going to use it to try and you know try and get any kind of you know deals uh, uh, shut down in, in that state. 
all that said, in the end, it probably does go through, but there's going to be some headaches here as they try and work through this process. Um, so, Andrew, speaking of TrueLeave, you know, with this deal coming on the heels of TrueLeave, uh, or the TrueLeave Harvest deal, I should say, do you think other MSOs are going to look at this deal and, and look at these deals and conclude that they have to get bigger to compete? Right? Like, do you think this kicks off a wave of mega mergers between some of the largest and even second tier MSOs in the space? I do. I think um, I think kind of how we you know started this conversation in the beginning. This is this is something we have been. Um, hearing is going to come down the pipeline, like big, big mergers. So now we're seeing this gigantic one. And I do absolutely think it signals to others. I'm sure there's others in progress and it could mean that things speed up that much further because, um, you have to be well capitalized to compete. That's just a fact. It's an, uh, Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> right, 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 right. That is, you know, and this is also, I say that, you know, and that there's also taps into the pain of the small craft producers for the most part. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, to now you have a huge competitor that has now expanded and has much more real estate. So, to compete, you're going to have to be big and strong. So I think it's going to just uh, accelerate this further. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, I mean, I, I think I think a lot of these companies are going to look at this and go like, how are we going to be able to compete with the likes of Cresco, Cureleaf, GTI, uh, right? And and you know, access to capital is so difficult as it is. Uh, that I think you're going to be looking at, you know, particularly some of these, you know, the sort of the second tier MSOs who are not are really going to be looking at like who they can get together with and how they can get bigger and set themselves up to either compete or get acquired by one of those, you know, bigger companies, right? You've got to kind of become one or, or acquire one. Um, so, you know, sticking with this, uh, Sarita, and then, and then I'll kind of throw this one out to everybody, but Sarita, let's start with you here. You know, so assuming that this is the beginning of a wave of large mergers, what companies do you think we should be keeping an eye on for future deals like this? I mean, Cureleaf already bought up a lot of operators. I mentioned Grassroots is a particularly big one. We haven't seen a mega deal from GTI yet. You know, and then we got a whole second tier of MSOs, Air, Jushi, Planet 13, Pharmacan, Forefront, right, a whole bunch of others. So uh, throw that to you. I mean, can you, can you care to guess like who matches up well with who here? Huh, who matches up well? You know, I'm going to throw out there um, GTI and Planet 13. Mm. Uh, I am really, uh, I really like what I see the CEO doing over there at GTI. Uh, I think, you know, when Max was talking about like craft um, operators and manufacturers, uh, I know some folks who have done some work with GTI and they do come from that craft background. I think they're pretty, you know, supportive of it. And I do like some of the stuff that I have, some of the brands that I have seen poking out of Planet 13. I don't know too much background about them, but GTI definitely, for me, I, def I wouldn't be surprised. I'm, I'm almost waiting on it. That's a, that's a very interesting one. Uh, I think the only challenge you may have there is GTI has a pretty big presence in Nevada already, which is, uh, you know, which is you know, Planet 13's bread and butter. Um, that said, I, 
I could still see that one working. Um, that's an interesting one. I like it. But uh, Max, Andrea, who wants, to, who wants to jump in on this? I'd, I'd love, I'd love, don't, I'm not, I'm not going to call this predictions, uh, right? Because I don't want to hold any, I don't want to hold anyone to something like this because we, none of us have, have inside knowledge of, uh, these inner, inner workings discussions, but you know, are there companies out there that you look at and go like, yeah, those companies would make a lot of sense getting together. Andrea, let's start with, let's go to, let's go to you here. <laughs> I'm not sure I have one off the top of my head, but I'll, I'll echo uh, Sarita that I think uh, GTI is very interesting for me to watch in the way that they're approaching things. So I would just say I'm very curious what direction they will go because I I imagine some big moves are on the horizon for them, but I'm not I'm not really sure who would who would be that partner that dance partner for them. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, they're the of the of the big four. They're the one that hasn't done the mega deal yet, right? I mean, you had uh, you know you had Cure Leaf Grassroots, you had True Leaf Harvest. Now you've got Cresco Columbia Care. Haven't seen one from GTI yet, so I think that's I think that's fair. I don't know, Max. What do you think? Going to take us take us out on the segment here. I mean, <laughs> they're all hunting all the time. I just, you know, you need to know they've got, they've got all of those groups have teams of people that are doing nothing but deal hunting all the time. That's their, you know, <laughs> this is why they're able to raise so much money or close so much capital because they can afford to put resources to teams that do nothing but these kinds of things. So I know they're all doing it. They're all consistently doing it. And we're going to continue to see it you know in small ways and bigger ways and in bigger and bigger ways you know as it goes and so i just know it's part of the ecosystem of every one of those companies and is now becoming part of the ecosystem of all those yeah layer two msos and even going down to the single state operators that are just really well done it's you know like every other industry we're realizing that you got to have good businessmen investment people deal makers you know on the bench to be able to expand so I just, again, I just see this as all, even though it's not what I would love to see happen, it is what's happening. And, and we just have to acknowledge it. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, you know, it, it, it's so, I mean, it's an impossible question, obviously. And I, I apologize for putting you guys, well, I don't really apologize, but uh, I'll acknowledge that I'm putting you guys on the spot um, for an impossible question. Um, but I think, you know, I think every one of those companies that I mentioned earlier, uh, Ayer, Jushi, Planet 13, Pharmacan, Forefront, there's others, uh, Maramed, uh, right? All of them are ripe for mergers. Um, uh, and, and I think this, you know, this puts more pressure on everybody to get, a little bit bigger, a little bit faster. Um, you know, one thing I will point out, and uh, before we take it to break here, that I'm going to look for more of, and I think we're going to see more of, are some of these West Coast brand companies, um, you know, companies that come particularly out of California, um, but, you know, even potentially Oregon, Washington companies, um, I think we're going to see more of those companies get gobbled up by some of the bigger publicly traded MSOs. Because, um, I mean, what we've, one of the things we've seen in the way this industry has developed is that the, the MSOs are, are really good at doing business, right? Like, they're good at running business. They're good at capital markets. They're good at understanding the business dynamics. They're good of the at money. It's not they're even good at money. Yeah. Not even necessarily business. Oftentimes it's really good at money and then they bring business people in. <laughs> yes, that's fair. That's fair, right? They're good with capital markets. They're good, but they're understand but but by and large, I mean they, you know, they understand how to run the business of cannabis, but they're by and large, like they're not great operators um, in that they, you know, they don't create the best products out there. They're not the most efficient, right? The best quality flour, the best quality edibles, right? Those by understatement and large, of the year. 
Right. Fair enough. Right. I mean, look, I live here in Illinois and uh, Illinois, we have nothing but large scale MSOs uh, uh, producing product in the state. Uh, that's going to change whenever the state finally rolls out their craft licenses. But, you know, you can't get fire weed in a dispensary in Illinois. Nowhere there. It doesn't exist. Right. You can't get anything remotely resembling the best quality that you can get in some of these states out west. Um, and what we see is, you know, these companies that have had to compete in these really difficult, hyper-competitive markets like California, Oregon, Washington, and Michigan is becoming that way too. I think you will, I'll add Michigan to that list probably. They need a couple more years to mature. Um, um, you know, Oklahoma's becoming that way even as a medical market. Oh, that's right, that's right. And you and that's where you're getting the best quality cannabis. Definitely. And I think as these companies grow, they're gonna need to add quality and efficiency to their, you know, to 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 their stable of products. And I you wanna I know why I say this too, Chris? None of those MSOs we would last a second in California. You're it, right. It would just it would get it would get laughed out of the room in You're California. Right. And that's again, you see the difference. Like it wouldn't even it would be laughed at here. <laughs> You're right. It's absolutely right. No, I mean, look, I go to the stores and like I'll buy the best of what's available in Illinois. And if I were to take that with me, and I do, like I'll uh, you know sometimes I'll I'll bring it with me to conferences. I'll hang out with my friends, my relatives in California, and it's like I'm not going to smoke that shit. But I think this is like this is the this is the best that we this is the best we can get here, right? In the legal market, won't touch it. Right. No. Well, literally, won't touch it. Um, so, uh, yeah. I, I it, anyway, interesting interesting conversation. I do think that that is you know f different than the you know these mergers uh, like you know, like we've talked about truly harvest and columbia care cresco which are which are you know sort of mergers of dots on a map right Co you know uh, companies just getting bigger nationally the next wave of mergers that i would like well not necessarily like to see but i think we're going to see are companies looking for really good quality products um, and look a lot of those companies that create the best quality product on the west coast Right, they're great operators. They're not great business people, a lot of them, and they're having a really hard time surviving in the hyper-competitive, price-compressing market in California. You marry those two, and like maybe you'll start seeing some better quality products elsewhere. But I think those types of deals make a lot of sense. So we'll keep an eye out for those. Um, well, I appreciate all of your uh, comments on this. Uh, we're gonna wrap up this segment here, and when we come back, we will discuss the news that the U.S. House of Representatives is once again set to vote on legalization. Ah, and before we do that, let's hear from our sponsors who make this show possible. We're very thankful to have the support of our friends over at Hedgerow Analysis. If your legal marijuana company needs location-specific data-centered projections to help you plan and grow your business, look no further than Hedgerow Analysis. They have all kinds of fancy computer models backed up by smart blocks of relevant data to help you work out things like where the best place to build your dispensary would be. Or maybe you need help citing a distribution network to ensure maximum profitability for a delivery service. Whatever your location-based strategic problems are, it's likely that Hedgerow Analysis can help you solve them. Pop over to hedgerowanalysis.com to learn more about the company's capabilities and to get in touch. That's hedgerowanalysis.com.
All right, we're back. This week, our friends at Marijuana Moment reported that the MORE Act, the bill in the House of Representatives that would fully deschedule and legalize cannabis at the federal level, is set to come up for a vote next week. This wouldn't be the first time this bill will pass the House, as it passed back in 2020, and it is widely expected to have the votes to pass again when it's called for a vote this year. But its prospects beyond that are, let's call it murky at best. So, Andrea, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on the House taking up the MORE Act again? Right, Conventional wisdom is that the bill is dead on arrival in the Senate, where Senators Schumer, Booker, and Wyden are preparing to introduce the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act sometime next month. This is a bill that they've been crafting and preparing for about a year, uh, which takes a pretty different approach to legalization from the MORE Act. So given that the Senate is unlikely to even consider the MORE Act and that there doesn't seem to be 50 votes for legalization in the Senate, let alone the 60 that you'd actually need to pass it, why do you think the House is even bothering to push the MORE Act through one more time? Uh, I really don't know what they're thinking. Um, It feels performative. Um, And I I mean, I 100% agree this is dead on arrival. I don't see any way for this to live past the house. And so um, it it doesn't feel like it's a good usage of anybody's time other than just, you know, someone trying to, or many people signaling that this is important. Um, but it, it just, it's a bit confounding from where I sit. Um, I'm a huge fan of Cory Booker. Um, and I originally hail from New Jersey, and I'm very interested in the path um, that an approach that he's taking. And it's a much more holistic approach than the MORE Act as well. And so I know so many people just want things to get a little bit easier, you know, just especially legacy operators. And so to that end, you know, people get excited every time something is coming forward. But to me, it's just kind of false hopes. I don't I don't see anything moving here with it. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's it is a it is immensely frustrating to see how how little the the the, the Democratic Party leadership in the two chambers seems to be coordinating with and talking to one another about these things. Um, I mean, they all know the votes aren't there in the Senate, right? Everybody understands that. And yet, you know, and, and yet, you know, you've got both the House and the Senate pushing full reform bills that can't become law. And yet here we are. It's already almost April of the second year of, of this Congress where the Democrats are going to lose at least one House of Congress in November and nothing's passed yet. And it is, you know, instead of spending their time on this, 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 as you call it, performative political theater, it's immensely frustrating that we're not focused on getting past what we can get past. But, you know, I want to stick with this. And and, uh, again, this is this is because this is what gets me the most the most frustrated here. Right. It's it's how much political theater appears to be at play here and how it might sacrifice the ability to achieve real reform. Now, our listeners know I've personally been involved in legalization advocacy for over 25 years, and there's nothing that would make me happier than the federal government finally ending cannabis prohibition once and for all. But I also recognize that math, the math doesn't work and the votes aren't there in the Senate. 
So while you know what I'm seeing, House leaders try to pass a bill that has no chance of becoming law, and Senate leaders pushing for comprehensive reform that has no chance of passing the Senate, let alone becoming law. And meanwhile, these Democrats are running out of time in the majority. And right now, they have not passed any of the low-hanging fruit reform that realistically could make it through both chambers, things like banking reform, SBA loans for social equity businesses, and cannabis conviction expungement. So, Max, I'll throw this to you. Do you see a broader strategy here to actually get something past this session? Or do you think that Democratic leaders in both houses are content scoring political points with this kind of performative political theater while in the end, not actually accomplishing anything. I think the hardest part that I've learned about cannabis policy is that it really fundamentally is a bunch of very diverse different issues that are all extremely important. The problem is that the, the priority of importance falls in very different camps for different people. And what's happened in this last few years, we were all so hopeful that, that there was going to be a pathway. Um, perfect got in the way of good enough in the sense of, you know, everybody in the party was kind of focusing their lens on one point of the cannabis legalization conversation and fighting for that point and kind of diminishing the importance of the rest of them or some blend of that. And so what it created was this kind of camp of lots of very individualized, passionate people not talking to each other, not coordinating with each other, not getting on the same page together, rallying support amongst the groups that support that issue. And, and it's been so frustrating because, you know, those of us, especially those of us in the industry that are like, come on, you guys just like pull your shit together, <laughs> you know, and like, <laughs> let's get something done here that can can make some progress. You know, everybody here is just like, see the greater good and let's make something happen. But the the, the political establishment just has lost everyone's faith in my mind in the cannabis community that we're going to be able to get something done because they can't seem to decide on what's good enough to get something done and how they can work together to make that happen. Yeah, I see a lot of head nodding here. I mean, Sarita, Andrew, do you want do you guys want to chime in on this? I think this is I think this is the this is the crux of the issue here. A, a thousand, a thousand percent. I mean, being being in the space for you know like the last seven or eight years. I mean, I've gotten my hopes up so many times. I mean, when I was still in New York, okay, I think it's going to happen. All right, Jersey's on the way. New York's definitely not going to let Jersey come before then. And you know, look at us now. And so again, you know, being on the outside of this, and you know, going up to Albany and being in these rooms and having these conversations with you know the the politicians, the powers that be. You know, what happens when they get back behind closed doors? It, it, everything just seems to just, you know, go nowhere, you know? And everyone, rightfully so, is just tired and frustrated. And I often think instead of, you know, like Andrea was saying, all this performative nonsense, I, why don't we just put a flowchart on the, on the White House website for crying <laughs> out loud? So, you know, where are we at with this bill becomes a law? Just, you know, make it plain and just, you know, stop wasting time. Also, there are just a lot of other things that are taking priority right now, and cannabis reform is just not at the top of the list right now. That's, well, that's also the truth. But that's true. I mean, like, but, but they're going to vote you know, gonna... Honestly, Chris, I just want to say, you know, there's literally a war, right? 
we have the January 6th, uh, you know, here it, there is just a whole bunch of fooly wang, as I like to say, going down right now. And I'm not sure, you know, you know, I often thought I'm like, is Schumer waiting for 420? Like, it, like what is this? Even but he is. Happening? He is waiting you for know? 420. He's I, literally like, waiting for 420. For you don't have time for that. I don't like get it. You know, it's all performative. Just where, you know, and what is going to be the priority for, for this? I, I'm, I'm even open to that at this point. If you guys can come together and say, okay, we recognize there are all of these issues, all of these lanes, all these pathways, but this is how we imagine prioritizing these things. Again, just, just make it plain and actually give us something a little bit more tangible than, okay, we're going to take you back to the house and I got a bill, she got a bill. I'm about to write a bill at this point. I, I feel like, <laughs> I, I, you know, might as well. I mean, I, I look, I hear you that there are other things. Go, there are big things going on in the country, the pandemic, the war, everything else. But they're voting on the MORE Act next week. So, like, they have found time to deal with cannabis. They're voting on the MORE Act. Schumer's going to introduce KOA. Like, they've found time to deal with cannabis. They just don't seem to find a way to deal with it in a way that something's actually going to get passed rather than, you know, re- rather than, 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 than supporting their own political agenda, right? You know, baked way and i'm now using a cheesy metaphor here (laughs) but i mean this is not this is it's again kind of it's perfect as the enemy of good listen all you non-cannabis people pull your shit together and act more like cannabis people (laughs) please please and thanks (laughs) um also sarita i'm gonna steal that word from you um (laughs) yeah I love so it. I should say that on the house floor. This is food. We're tired. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, it's like, I I agree. I, like, there are, you know, this, you know, war. I mean, this is what is occupying. This is taking up all the real estate right now. And, and Chris, to your point, yet this is also happening. It's just, it feels so discombobulated and bizarre. And this is exactly the type of thing where people lose faith in politics and politicians and why people check out because it does not make sense. It does not make sense. It's like, and that's where, you know, I wish I could give a better answer of to why they're doing this other than it's performative. I, I truly, I would love to know why this is happening. Well, part of it's they're playing to their base. Something that is guaranteed to fail. They're still putting effort behind it when there are, let's break it up and get any of these little pieces forward. You know, why is it like, come on, like these are, there have been cities and counties that have done things very quickly. This can be done. And it would uplift so many people and create such a benefit and positive change like do something give us something yeah no i mean and and, and that's really it and i think look a lot of it is they're playing to their base they're playing to their own political concerns right i mean you look at folks like booker and, and who look and booker i've been a big fan of bookers for a long time i think booker's fucking this up massively 
Um, right. I mean, Book Booker is above all in the Senate, the one saying we can't do banking reform without comprehensive reform. And Booker is smart enough to know that the votes are not there for comprehensive reform. Right. But he's doing it because he's under a lot of pressure from the ACLU and the Drug Policy Alliance and the uh, NAACP and the other members of the Justice Coalition who look, these are friends of mine. They are well-meaning. Right. And as so I'm not trying to disparage these organizations, I'm a supporter of most of them, or I think all of the ones I just mentioned, um, but they don't understand the cannabis industry at all, right? They just understand, they, they just look at this from a policy perspective. And it's I think it's why you have this disconnect between groups like the Drug Policy Alliance, right, who is absolutely dedicated to racial justice and social justice, social equity, uh, compared to the Minority Cannabis Business Association that represents the interests of black and brown owned cannabis businesses who's saying, no, like we need banking and we need banking now. It's our people who are being disproportionately hurt by the lack of access to capital in this industry. Uh, and it's it, it, there. They're, but you've got folks like Booker on the left um, and frankly, House leadership in many ways as well, which I think is why they're pushing the more act, which is great when it comes to social equity, because they're trying to appease these groups even though they fully understand the votes are not there in the Senate. If they were, absolutely, let's do the more. Look, I think the Morak needs to be changed because the regulatory structure kind of sucks and, and is largely non-existent, but it's still, a you know, it's still, a, it, from what I've seen, a better bill than Schumer's KOA bill. Um, but, like, let's, let's pass a comprehensive reform bill and get it done. But if the votes aren't there, let's quit this political performative theater and pass what can pass. And if we were to put together a bill like, you know, call it safe banking plus, right? Safe banking plus some social equity. I mentioned, you know, SBA loans for equity businesses and maybe expungement that could pass the Senate, right? That could get through the Senate that could get through both houses. And yet you've got people like Booker holding firm saying, I will not allow something like that to go forward because we need comprehensive reform. And if he doesn't back off of that position, we're going to be, we're going to find ourselves in you know, November, on November 5th of this year with the Democrats out of control of Congress and us having no reforms at all. Um, so, all right, I want to, I want to, I want keep it on this as we finish up here. And I want to throw something out to all of you. Now we're going to do predictions. I, I asked you for thoughts on the last one, but I'm going to do predictions here, which you will of course be held to. And uh, you'll be publicly ridiculed on a future show. Uh, if you don't prove to be correct, uh, kidding, of course, uh, mostly. Um, but, uh, but, <laughs> but what do you know? But what do you all say? I, I want each of you to give our, give, give your predictions for what, if anything, actually gets passed through Congress this year and becomes law before the end of this legislation legislative session. It could be nothing. So let's fast forward to November 5th, 2022. What has passed Congress in terms of cannabis reform? Sarita, I'll throw to you first. I have consulted my tarot cards and my crystal ball <laughs> and they say we are SOL. Nothing, nothing is passing. Nothing is coming. Nothing. Ah, killing me. I, I don't, I don't blame it. you, but, but I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. That didn't sound very optimistic to me. <laughs> I, I, now today, I, you know, I'm really, if you listen to me on here, I'm definitely optimistic, but this, <laughs> I have too, you know, lost my faith. <laughs> All right. So Sarita says nothing. Andrea, what do you say? I unfortunately agree. And that is my prediction as well. I don't see anything passing. Oh, we got two votes for nothing here. Max, what about you? Well, so for, my angels and spirit guides told me that um, 
that there's going to be an enormous amount of state-specific progress in lots of different ways that we can count as success stories, but I am afraid to announce a continued goose egg on the federal level. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Okay, I'm actually going to differ from all of you in my prediction, and I'm going to predict that by the end of this year, we are going to get some version of Safe Banking Plus that I think I am cautiously, despite despite all my rants throughout this segment and all of my frustration with the Democratic Party and their leadership in particular, I think when the rubber meets the road here, we are going to get safe banking plus something on social equity. I don't know if it's going to be SBA loans. I don't know if it's going to be expungement. I don't know if it's going to be something else. But here's the inkling that I have, just based on the conversations I've been having with folks in D.C., as much as we've chastised this leadership here, they all they all know full well what can and can't happen. So here's how I see this playing out. And 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 based on what I'm hearing here, I probably will be the one taking the ridicule come November, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Um, I, I think Schumer has placed so much political capital on Kiowa. And, and done so much for these groups that he feels he needs to placate, that he feels like he needs to get this introduced. So I think Schumer's going to introduce this in, Nove- in November, sorry, on 420. It's, he's going to hold the hearings. He's going to do the dog and pony show. And then it's not going to pass, right? I don't think he'll even call it for a vote because they'll, you know, they'll do the whip count. They'll see the votes aren't there. They'll probably have 45 you know, votes or so for it. And, and then I think they move on to what can we salvage and save face here, right? I think that allows somebody like Cory Booker to say, hey, we did everything that we could to, to pass comprehensive reform. It's not there. And I think they know that. And I think what's happening right now is that behind the scenes, there are negotiations happening that none of us are part of or privy to for what that ultimate compromise legislation is going to look like. Um, it probably gets slipped into some bigger, you know, bigger omnibus bill. There are a whole bunch of them that are going to have to come in the second half of this year. And I think that by the time that happens, there's already going to be behind the scenes agreement on what that compromise, low hanging fruit, piecemeal legislation looks like. And I think that's what we're going to wind up with here by the end of the session. I am not one to be the, 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 you know, the, the giant optimist on the show by and large. Um, but I am going to be cautiously optimistic and predict that we do get something before the end of the year. Um, and hopefully I'm not eating my words come, uh, come November. Y'all hope you're right. I think I can speak for all of us. I are, I, I hope you're right. I hope that there's a group call in a couple of months or a few months and we get to all say that you were right. Oh, I, I hope so. Too. Hey, look, actually, I mean, look, if it really comes down to it, I hope I'm wrong and we get comprehensive reform, but that I'm pretty confident is not going to be the case. Uh, so, all right. I think that is a good place to leave it. I thank you all for your, uh, for, for chiming in on this. Uh, very cool. Uh, and, uh, that's going to wrap up segment two. So let's take one last break. And when we come back, we'll be doing our, finishing moves
All right, welcome back. Now it's time for Finishing Moves. Finishing Moves. Finishing Moves is the part of our show where our regulars can talk about anything they want to talk about, cannabis-related or otherwise. So, Sarita, what's your finishing move today? My finishing move today is going to be getting out of this house this weekend and going to see the cherry blossoms here in D.C. I'm looking forward to it. Haven't seen it in 17 years. So moved back to Maryland. So I'm really excited about seeing it. That's awesome. I lived in D.C. 13 years. I really miss the uh, the cherry blossoms. There is there is nothing like that. We- that one week a year when they're all in full bloom in D.C. It's amazing. So very cool. Go out and enjoy that. Um, all right, Max, what's your finishing move? I think I'll take this opportunity to plug Gangier, um, which is our cannabis sommelier certification. We just locked down our new campus in Humboldt, California, where people will be flying in from around the world to learn how to properly assess the quality of cannabis and communicate those benefits to consumers. And so we're down to our last handful of seats for all of 2022. And I'm always looking to fill it with people who are passionate about uplifting the culture and craft of cannabis and being good stewards of quality cannabis out in the world. So I'll plug pluggangier.com. Super cool. And uh, we've definitely we've definitely got a listenership here who uh, is is passionate. So any listeners uh, out there, Marijuana Today Nation, who uh, is interested, reach out to Max Simon. We'll get it out in show notes in the um, in the uh, on the website uh, and how you can uh, be part of the Gangier program. Very cool. Thanks, Max. All right, Andrea, what's your finishing move? My finishing move today, you know, it's been a an intense month for a lot of um you know, my colleagues and in cannabis and in general. And I've just found myself having an incredible amount of gratitude of all the amazing people I have around me, especially so many amazing, strong women. Um, my whole leadership team at Sava um, are all women identified and just uh, the women identified folks and beyond. I'm just, there's a lot of incredible community I have around me and I'm so grateful for that. Awesome. I love it. Um, all right. Well, for my finishing move, I'm going to stay on the gratitude uh, kick here and just say, holy shit, 401 episodes of Marijuana Today. Um, I, I, I wasn't on the 400th last week, although super cool to hear Betty and Heather go at it. Um, and, uh, I, you know, it feels like it, I say it feels like a long time ago. It was a long time ago when uh, myself, Chris Lotlicker, uh, Dan Goldman, and uh, and Adam Smith uh, did our first ep- did the first episode. We actually uh, I think we've mentioned it, through, but it's been a long time on the show. Um, we actually did like nine episodes of uh, of this before we went, we went we went live with one just to make sure that we had the format down and we were comfortable talking to one another. And you know, this show started as a way for a bunch of us SSDP alumni who liked getting together and talk about weed and, 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 and marijuana policy to have an excuse to do it every week together. Um, right. Without like pissing off our wives and our families. Um, right. Uh, and, and now we had a, you know, a set time we get together every week and, and talk about the stuff we like to talk about. And um, it's been amazing to see how this audience has grown, how receptive folks have been to it, the thousands of people that tune in every week and, and how much this show has grown from this, you know, cadre 
of you know SSDP alumni friends to professionals from all throughout the industry, um, and uh, and and how it's been embraced by the industries and, and, and the movement and the listenership in particular. So a thank you to everybody who has hosted, appeared, guest produced uh, over the last five, six years it's been now for these 400 episodes. Um, it's been awesome doing this with all of you and uh, look forward to, I don't know, 400 more, right? Maybe we'll get to our thousandth, who knows? Uh, but uh, it's been a fun ride. So uh, thank you to everybody. Uh, but today in particular, thank you to Max, Sarita, and Andrea for your time today, uh, for uh, taking the time out of your busy days and your busy schedules to chat marijuana policy and industry with me. Uh, thank you to Shay and the team for uh, the work that goes on in post-production that makes us all sound so good most of the time. Um, thank you to all of our sponsors for your generosity in keeping the show on the air. Of course, a thanks to Overclock Remix for the tunes they provide us. Uh, please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes so that other not nerds can find out about the show and uh that's it i hope everybody enjoyed this episode of marijuana today and have a wonderful marijuana tomorrow One take, Shay. One take. <laughs>